Hey, welcome back to Frisky Heroes Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking to Jenny Clark from the Families First Family Resource Center in Danville, Kentucky. While she's been with the school for several years, this is her first year as a Frisky. She's been a Frisky since actually July. I mean, heck of a time to jump in, right? Uh, but we, in this conversation, we get to talk to her about how the transition uh, has affected her from going from her other role in school to a Family Resource Center uh, coordinator. And we're also going to talk about the really the learning curve that she's had to have as a Family Resource Center coordinator during Corona. A uh, very insightful interview and a lot of good information that she shares. And we thank Jenny for being with us today. So let's get started. Hey, Jenny, thanks for being here at the uh, Frisky Heroes podcast. And can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and where you're, where you're from and what, you, uh, what schools you work for? I am Jenny Clark. I'm with Families First Family Resource Center here in Danville Independent Schools District. Um, we have two locations. We have one at Hogsett Primary, and we have a liaison there named Mary. And then we have one here at the Tolliver Intermediate School. And uh, I have a liaison named Laura. Um, we service um, anything from birth to age uh, 12, basically, and then we cart them off to Beacon Youth Service Center um, at the middle school and high school level. Um, we also run um, a couple programs like Cradle School with um, Parents as Teachers curriculum. We do parent nights, um, all the usual frisk stuff, July 1st. <laughs> It's July 1st, so yes, sir. you are uh, learning and <laughs> in the, getting thrown in the deep end. I am green, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, there's really no better way to learn than when learning in kind of a, a stressful situation, because uh, a lot of the a lot of the things we, we think are important suddenly become unimportant, and so it's, it's yeah. a good way to learn. And have, have, uh, where, do, where were you before uh, you were frisky? I actually worked for Danville Independent Schools um, at the elementary level. I've been an instructional assistant for the last five years. Okay, so you've, you've had, it's not like you just started totally green. I mean, you, you've had lots of experience uh, uh, yeah. for five years. Yeah. Okay. Now, we had a little discussion before this about uh, the names of your schools. Obviously, they're not elementary or uh, uh, middle school. or It's, it's the uh, primary and intermediate. Can you kind of explain, one, what that is, and two, how did that happen? Okay, um, we have Hogsett Primary, and it serves uh, preschool through first grade. And then we have Tolliver Intermediate that services second through fifth grade. Um, and then we do have middle school and high school. But um, basically what happened was we had three elementary schools, and we noticed that a lot of kids moved um, interschool-wise uh, throughout the year. So um, that was kind of detrimental to their education as well as their social um, status like not status I guess but social uh, functioning because they couldn't keep their friends and that kind of thing so um, what we did um, I think this is year three of doing this we merged all of the elementary schools into just the primary location and the intermediate location that way they all stayed within the same um, school system and they had the same teacher all year long so even if the parents had to move within the district the kids didn't have to leave that class situation. Got you. And so you were there uh, before the merge happened and, and after. How, how was it before 
uh, when kids were moving from school to school because uh, I'm, we talked about this before, it happens quite often parents lose their housing or have to move or they start new relationships and move or whatever the, the, the reason may be, but uh, you know, they're, they're moving from school to school. How has the transition to this merger helped those kids uh, for what you've seen before and then, then now? So before um, I was at Jenny Rogers and that's now defunct. We don't have that um, school anymore. Um, we would see kids move from Hogsett and from Tolliver and back again. And it was hard on the teachers to know exactly um, where the kids were. We would have to wait to get records even within the district. Um, we would have to see what they needed. Sometimes the needs were different even from school to school um, based on the, the home situation. Um, and now it's, it's a lot better we see the same families. So mm -hmm. um, becoming involved with Frisk was nice because we've seen kids that we knew from the old school, um, the, the old way that we did it. We've seen those mm -hmm. families, but we've been able to merge everything together. And they know that no matter where they are um, within our district, they're gonna go to Hogsett Primary for preschool through first and those administrators and those teachers are the teachers that their children will have and then coming up they know that they're just going to go to Tolliver Intermediate um, no matter where they live in our district and I think that's comforting to the parents as well as the kids so socially the kids get to keep their friends um, and they get to know the teachers within the buildings a lot better a um, little bit it is a lot bigger we do have more teachers um, within the schools so instead of two second grade teachers, we have six, just like, you know, whenever you would like maybe merge with a county instead mm -hmm. of having the independent district. Um, but we still maintain the Danville independent district, which was nice as well. Well, I can tell you from, uh, as a child moving from uh, Detroit, Michigan to Louisville, Kentucky, I know you can't tell by my accent, but uh, <laughs> I've acclimated pretty well, but yeah, I moved in, in 10th, well, before, before 10th grade and talk about, you know, this is well before even social media. So, uh, you know, losing friends is, was, is very hard and trying to make all new friends. So, you know, these, these kids who are moving from school to school, yes. I mean, that, that's got to be a, a pretty big stressor on them. Yes. And in the home life situation, you never know exactly what's going on, you know, and you try and I just, I think it does work out a lot better. I think it is a comfort to the parents just to know that there is like a, a standstill, like this is, this is where the wall is and we, we have them covered. Excellent. Definitely, I can see the, the benefit of the continuity of care and something that, yes. uh, how many people are, or how many children are in your, your schools? So normally, <laughs> and I say that, um, yeah. normally we have 600 or so at Tolliver, and I believe it's about 300 at Hogsett, um, just because they only cover certain, you know, that, that mm -hmm. area. But um, last year we had, I want to say it was right at 600 enrolled at Tolliver. Okay, so that, that's a good good size school system. It's not like, uh, you know, Jefferson County big, but there's also, I think there's a lot of benefits to having that size school system because you can do a lot of things uh, without having 50 different administrators trying to right. <laughs> pull, pull in different directions. So that's that's definitely a good a good deal. Well, we're going to jump in the, uh, the fast five, just five questions real quick to kind of get to know you a little bit better. Uh, Tell us about uh, your family. Okay, well, I'm originally from Indiana. I met my husband in Lexington and he's actually from Danville. Um, we have three kids. Um, one's a sophomore, one's a fifth grader, and one's just starting kindergarten. 
We have a dog named Raleigh and a cat named Poppy and a hamster named Earl. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, you, you, you have uh, preschool and uh, all the way up to, to high school. Yes. I've, mine are all within four years of each other. So oh, they're, kind nice. of moving, they're moving along as a, in a, as a gang. <laughs> The lemon gang, I guess. Uh, what, are, what is something that you're very passionate about? Oh gosh, um, food. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a culinary degree. That's where I actually started um, out, out of, or out of uh, high school. Um, begrudgingly to my mom, she did not want me to do that. But um, after we had our second child, I learned that the restaurant business was not conducive to having a family. Um, I just didn't want to live like that. I wanted to be able to come home at night and read to my kids and, and tuck them in and all that. And I was not being able to do that. So I went into retail, but um, food is definitely still my passion. And my family has to try a lot of random things. <laughs> well, I'm sure that's a, that's a benefit. It's not like you're, you're feeding them something. That's they horrible. like it for the most part until it's like random vegetables like turnips and fennel. <laughs> We started getting with the crazy stuff, right? Yes. <laughs> so I actually have a, uh, a second cousin. He's a, a chef up in, he's from in Canada. He's up in the, oh, he works at a uh, resort up in the Yukon. Wow. And he just sent, sent me a picture a couple of days ago and it was, he already had like three or four feet of snow up there. So that's, Dallas. that's how he, that's how he lives. <laughs> but, well, he, he works, I think 12 to 16 hour days oh, for yeah. like six weeks. And then he's off six weeks. There's no breaks. There's no days off. Cause when you're up there, you're up there. So, oh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're probably eight, 10 hours from a, the nearest real town. So <laughs> my goodness, I couldn't do it, but he seems <laughs> to like it. Cool. So what are, what are your, uh, what are some of your favorite hobbies? I think I can guess one. Okay. <laughs> uh, cooking. Um, I don't <laughs> that would be bake. I'm not good at measuring things. I don't like baking. It's too much science for me. Um, I like to crochet and I like to go hiking and camping. Awesome. Well, you're in a pretty good spot for that. I know uh, oh, yeah. Red River Gorge and uh, Big South Fork over there. Yeah. Pretty close. Yeah, it's within about an hour. Yeah, we go a lot. So that's awesome. Uh, what's if you had one day without kids, without a job, just one day yourself, what would you do? Uh, probably go hike. <laughs> awesome. A lot easier without kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, much much easier. All right, the last one here. If you could change the world by making one law or one decree what would that be Ooh, um gosh i feel like i'm gonna step on toes or something uh one law or one decree i think i would go with being able to just have everybody be fed it's so in danville we had a thing called grace cafe before covid mm -hmm. uh, quarantine and it was fully funded through grants um it lost its funding and it was a pay um, if you can kind of place like Bon Jovi mm -hmm. has a place like this too randomly. Um, but it lost its funding and that kind of broke my heart because it was a really neat place to go. Um, my kids volunteered there whenever we could. And it's, that's one of those things where it was like a food insecurity thing um, that was being alleviated and there was no shame in it. It was good food. It was healthy food. It wasn't just, um, canned and boxed foods. Mm -hmm. It was, it was fresh and that really kills me. Um, but I would want to be able to, instead of having like just a blessing box, have like a refrigerated blessing box so we could put yeah. like perishables in it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. 
That's, that's, that'd be a great idea. I don't know. How, I'm not sure how that would work either. But, uh, <laughs> Maybe somebody so, Yeah, so, somebody probably has somewhere. You just hadn't heard of it yet. That's right. So back in the spring, uh, back in March, things definitely changed uh, for the schools. I believe it was March 13th. Yep. Uh, kind of what was that change like for you in, in your position you were in at the school and uh, how that affect you and the kids that you saw? So I see, so I saw um, a lot of, um, I used, how do I say this? I'm sorry, that was a bad answer. <laughs> I don't like how I did no that. No problem. Okay. Um, Hold I on used, one second. Watch this. Now when I edit, I just look for those claps and cut it. Awesome. Thank you. There we go. <laughs> um, I used to work with a lot of um, intervention kids. I did reading and math intervention. So usually those are the kids that have like, the needs at home and that kind of thing. So when we went to quarantine and stopped coming to school, um, we went to virtual um, for fourth and fifth grade and then second and third went to paper packets. And I saw all grade levels here at the intermediate center. And um, I would get emails from teachers regarding kids that weren't doing their work. And if I could possibly talk to some of those kids because I did have a good relationship with them um, a lot of them were the fifth graders um, that I would hear from. And uh, that kind of, that was hard because parents were in a crisis mode. Teachers were in crisis mode. Um, the IAs, we were still coming in and like we cleaned out lockers and we cleaned out desks and we bagged everything. Um, it was really eerie in a way because the school was so empty and um, it just, we couldn't help the way we were normally used to helping. Um, we had to help in such a weird way where we're packing everybody's things up in April and May and knowing that we weren't coming back. It just, uh, it was hard. We couldn't, we couldn't um, aid the kids in their education anymore. We had to do like comfort things. And, and so how, how did you see that affect your kids on a kind of the, not only just the, the educational level, but also the uh, emotional level. We, so that's, I'm, I like that you asked that. We would see them out, like when we'd go to the grocery store, even though kids weren't technically supposed to go, but I mean, how are you gonna just leave right. a small child at home? So um, one kid in particular saw me at the store and like, I didn't recognize anybody initially whenever we all had masks on. <laughs> so I, remember, yes. <laughs> I heard Mrs. Clark and I looked around and parents, I, since I wasn't actually a teacher, I was just their IA. Um, they'd only have me to thir for 30 to 30 minutes, like an hour a day. So parents usually didn't really know me. And um, the parent kind of looked at me like, who is this person? And I mean, I wanted to hug that kid so bad. <laughs> but, and, and that was one of the kids that was having trouble too. So I spoke with parent and was like, hey, if you need anything. And I gave him my phone number and my email address. And I was like, I will come sit in your driveway, you know, you, we can talk through a door, whatever needs to happen, we'll do it. And I mean, that parent was like, oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. Well, they never got back to me, but just the fact that the parent knew that there was somebody that was like, we'll do whatever it takes. And his teacher did the same thing. His teacher went to the home, I think, and talked through the door, but there's only so much that we were 
supposed to do without like asking for forgiveness later. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, so yeah, you can either ask for forgiveness or permission. That's right. right that's <laughs> right. And yeah, we joke about it in our office now. We're like, well, we're going to go ahead and do it. And if we get in trouble, we'll just ask for forgiveness. <laughs> so it's, you know, and we're not doing anything dangerous. It's just, you know, the social distance thing we, where we run cradle school, we have to, uh, we have to make sure the kids are masked. So we take masks, hand sanitizer, wear masks and face shielded, and we still keep our distance on porches and sidewalks and do everything outside as much as possible. But it's, it's hard. It's definitely different, but yeah, the kids, when we would see them out, they'd still light up and like, even when they came back in person. So we just started hybrid AB model, um, this week and they came back in person kids are already hugging us and we're like, Oh no, like it's, you know, like we want, we want them to be able to have that. But at the same time, we don't want them to get, um, to be in danger, you know? Right. It's so, so you said something I think I've heard a lot of people say it was just so hard, uh, seeing the kids in need and how, how has this affected you as a person? Um, I am not mentally well. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. Like I am not the same at all as, um, as I was before all of this. And, um, within my family, it's the same way. My kids are kind of like, they're more emotional. Like our middle mm -hmm. daughter has never been the emotional type. Like she's always been like stoic and strong and she is not right now. And so we, I know personally speaking, it's been hard um, knowing that the kids haven't had eyes on them for seven months. And, um, we discussed, um, a social service side of it. Um, some of the social services aren't doing home visits right now. And we were like, yeah, <laughs> marvelous. <What>? So we <laughs> kind of exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So we immediately, um, when we were doing online registration and we hadn't heard from a family, we took laptops and hotspots and, went out and and started knocking on doors because we just wanted to make sure the kids were were seen and heard and not just shut away it was hard knowing that social services wasn't doing home visits and then we weren't capable of being um in contact for so so many months but yeah personally speaking it, it's been it's been really um draining emotionally yeah, I, I can see it has, and you know, I think as the community as a whole, it's been, it's been rough, but especially for people who are caring for people. Uh, like I said, you, you all care for these kids and you're making sure they're okay. You're making sure they have the things they need, but then you kind of have that cut off and can't do that, right. but you still have the desire to do that. So it's gotta be a pretty emotional time. Yes. Uh, let me ask you this before, uh, before COVID, were you doing many home visits or going to, to, to uh, families' homes? So the people that were in the office before me, I still have a, um, a good relationship with them. They did. They were still doing a parenting, um, a nurturing parenting class. They did the last, I think, three or four um, class times virtually. Um, we, when I came in in July, they had just wrapped up the last one. Um, they ended cradle school with um, a little bag and it had like projects in it for the parents with books. Mm -hmm. um, and we've kind of 
graduated on that too. Um, we've got bins that we've passed out with different things for cradle school, but they were still doing home visits, um, just socially distanced as much as possible. We've had, they had requests for food. Um, we have a food pantry here that we do emergency out of. And then we, um, we have a food pantry here in Danville that we actually refer to as well. They do our backpack kids program. So they can do one visit um, for a family and then they can either be put on the backpack program or if it's just an emergency situation where like food stamps were messed up or something, um, they don't have to sign up for that or anything. But um, yeah, they were still doing home visits. Um, initially my first, I think it was my first three weeks I didn't do any because I was, I was very green then. Um, and we were just trying, I was just trying to get the office um, in a condition where I understood it. <laughs> and, then, um, and we had a lot of donations of clothing. So I was doing laundry a lot um, and organizing that. Um, I actually employed my, my high schooler to, to come help me. I had to buy her a pair of shoes for that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we, um, after that we were doing online registration and that was when it was like, okay, feet are on the ground, we got to run. So uh, I, I think, you know, of course, I've been to many homes, you know, neglect cases and things. And, uh, and I think one of the things that most people don't see that lots of, of Friskies get to see is people's home conditions. And I think when, when they get to see how people are living, how these kids are being, being raised a lot of times, you know, you, you have a lot more understanding of, you know, why they are having problems, why they are, uh, you know, the way they are. And the fact is that they're doing the best they absolutely can. I think you have a, a people who who've been in, in been in those situations actually see uh, see the kids differently, Definitely. with more kind of a great job for showing up for school today. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you got the same clothes on, but you're here. Yeah. Awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> so so how have you kind of with your uh, group of of friskies around there or other other people who kind of help you? How have you all uh, kind of banded together and to get through this? So we have um, over at Beacon Youth Service Center at the high school um, and the middle school, they are very um, involved with REAC and so the Interagency Council in, the, in our region, um, who is also involved with the Extension Office. And they have made mental health bags that they've distributed for the different age groups spanning all over Frisk. So from um, kindergarten and up, we've had mental health bags with like coloring sheets and um, family games, like little family question games that they can ask each other, that kind of thing. Um, they've done those bilingually as well. And then we did, um, let's see. Oh, there was another thing they did. They sent us a bag with, um, it had $25 worth of gift certificates to our county farmer's market so that they could go buy fresh food. Um, and it included meats, like we have meat purveyors there. We have um, obviously vegetable and fruit purveyors, um, coffee, all the, all the things that you could utilize within a home. Um, coffee is very important too. <laughs> um, yes, yes it is. <laughs> um, but we've, we've worked together on that aspect. The um, coordinator over at the Youth Service Center, she is absolutely phenomenal and has helped me tremendously just um, on the business end of everything Frisk, but then she's also so involved in the community that she's been a good um, touchstone for what I need to get myself into. Um, and with that, that's been a huge asset because she's she's been doing this for years and she has 
you know, she runs her center differently than we do. And, but it's, it's like it complements. It's really nice. Um, but we have banded together for those kinds of things. We've been um, shoved, shoving clothes in different directions um, throughout all mm -hmm. this too, with all the donations. Um, she normally doesn't keep um, like jeans and that kind of thing. She usually keeps sweats and um, just Danville High School hoodies and stuff like that. But where we've had so many donations, she's like, well, I know some of these kids are going to want jeans and stuff. So she's taken some of the jeans and been able to get them to the kids on the AB days and um, deliver them to homes. Um, we also work together with shoes. Uh, we have a, a lot of shoe donations. And so that's been nice. She's been able to help us um, get some of the bigger sizes out. She normally doesn't get a lot. So it was nice during um, quarantine in a weird way because people clean their homes out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we could deliver that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we have a lot of families obviously that span throughout all the schools. So when we see a need on our end or she sees a need on her end, she can report to us um, along with her liaison at the middle school. Hey, this family may need some other stuff for the little kids. And and we're able to work together on that. That's awesome. So let me ask you this. How do you, are you taking care of yourself? Well, I've had to learn because <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been actually, so what I do, there's one thing I do every day and it's stay about 15 to 20 minutes extra after my liaison leaves, um, which my timing is different than hers anyway, but it gives me a time to map out, um, map out my next day, make sure I've wrapped up the things I want to wrap up. And it puts me in a better mindset for when I get home, um, where we were all on virtual learning until this week. My kindergartner, um, virtually kindergarten is not great. It's just hard. Um, he's not used to screen time. So, and he's, he's a boy. So he's always like, all about either dinosaurs or running and he would get on a video yeah, <laughs> he would get on a video recording <laughs> and then somehow get to Jurassic Park so <laughs> it would be like his iPad's dead but it's only because he was watching Jurassic Park videos it wasn't that he was finishing yeah. things so I needed to to draw back and be alone for a few minutes before I went home and launched into um the, the kindergarten aspect of all of this. Mm -hmm. And my husband works from home and he's like, and he's in IT, which is even funnier because he's like, I don't understand these platforms. This doesn't make any sense to me. And um, he kind of beats himself up over it, but he's also not an educator or anything. So mm -hmm. there's also that separation. And I just kind of, I just tell him not to worry about it and that we'll figure it out as we go. And the teachers are all amazing. I don't know how they're doing it, but to take care of myself, I definitely just, make sure I have about 20 minutes of, of nobody speaking to me. <laughs> and um, I also work out about three times a week. <laughs> so before work. So, so a little more alone time there. I think that's a great mm -hmm. tip. Just taking, even if it's just 20 minutes of quiet time, mm -hmm. figure things out, kind of close your book for the day. Yeah. Uh, what, what you've done. And then you can transition into, you know, being, being a mom, being a wife and being, uh, you know, not, not having those same kind of, uh, I guess, pulls at you as you do it at your job. So right. that's definitely, definitely great advice. Thanks. I'm not uh, going to say there's not a hard, hard night every once in a while there, <laughs> but. Oh, uh, <laughs> maybe hopefully it's not quite as hard because oh, yeah. <laughs> at least work's kind of taken care of for the day. Yes. Yeah. 
So what other type of advice would you give to somebody who's thinking about uh, becoming a Frisky? Kind of what, for, for your few, you obviously you've been in the school system for a while, so you've seen lots of different aspects of it, but right. if someone who hasn't, kind of what advice would you give them and saying, I think I, I would like to be a Frisky? Oh man, um, be willing to separate yourself from what's going on with um, the families. There are families that you know already that, um, that are, they call them frequent flyers here, um, that you're gonna be in touch with, but there are also families that'll reach out every once in a while that you don't expect. Um, so you have to separate yourself and just look at the need and not the, um, the relation to you. Um, I know that that's been hard for, um, it's been hard for me on a level just knowing a couple of the situations um, from before and not seeing families reach out and having to go like to them and say, Hey, I think you, you know, I think that you guys could use some of this or, um, and you have to, you have to be a little bit braver. Um, you kind of have to dare to go do it <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and not look, not think like, Oh, they're looking at me thinking I'm judging them. And no, they're usually not. They don't think anything like that. They just know that, you know their situation and that you kind of want to to reach out to them because some people still have that pride and they they don't want to to reach for it yeah it's definitely gotta be hard for them uh to ask for help and then also for you uh on the other side of this as well well is there anything else that you'd like to kind of add to this conversation i think we uh, uh we hit everything i was thinking about and i really enjoyed the conversation and i appreciate all that you do well thank you thank you very much for having me i really um i was looking forward to this um I don't really have anything else to add. It's been an, an adventure being uh, new to the position, but knowing some of the families has been kind of nice. So um, I appreciate your time. Well, thank you very much. Mm -hmm.